politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight against the new revolution, the new color revolution, except this time it's against us, our own people from within. It's going to take every ounce of courage, soul, intrepid principle, and energy that we can muster. Because I'm telling you, folks, it is all on the line. Our souls, our bodies, our minds, our children, our civilization, our ability to exist as a sentient human. It is all on the line here at CR Podcast today. At the end of the week, it is Friday. We got a lot to talk about to clean up this week, to finish it off and round off the corner. The color revolution from within, how our own government, when you look at how they have so successfully created these color revolutions in Ukraine and places really all over the country since World War II or all over the world, it's not hard to understand how when they're operating on their home field turf right here, they've been doing this to us. They've been subverting us from within for so long. This is so much harder than what we dealt with in 1776 because that was external. This is internal. And I want to start off with this CDC report on the state of mental health and sexuality, so to speak, of high schoolers in America today. And you will understand how much work they've done and how successful they've been. And we are at the point where there is not a single county in a single state where we are currently living with the proper values, freedom, economy, prosperity, state of mind that our founders envisioned. Just some areas are worse than others. Our goal is to start creating, at least in some of those areas, the best sort of refuge we can. But honestly, we're failing even there. So we're going to discuss how do we fight this color revolution in at least the areas where we have the highest concentration of people who purport to believe in our values and how to get political representation that reflects those values. We're going to have Mark Meckler coming up a little bit later to discuss you know, fighting the border invasion in, in Texas with a GOP trifecta, Governor Abbott, that does nothing. He's holding a rally on Saturday. How many more? How many more illegals need to come in? How many more people need to die from the COVID shots? When are we going to start actually changing things? Well, first, our sponsor today, uh, you know, I'm about to talk about the state of American high schoolers. Well, here is one high schooler who is the antithesis of everything that our culture represents and really the paradigm of what our founders envisioned in a 15-year-old boy, maybe he's 16 by now, QPGoatSoap.com. The QP stands for Quinn Pittman, a teenager who has his own goat soap farm in Volusia County, Florida, along with his parents uh, and his sister. They all work together on that family business. He's a Christian homeschooler, spends time outdoors, um, milking his goats, taking care of them, shooting in his backyard range, studying the classics, and being such a productive citizen producing the best quality soap and the healthiest soap that I've seen. We've we've talked about a lot of their products until now, but 
from now until Mother's Day, they have their best package ever for this audience. The four seasons of soap, 20 bars with five different bars for each season, pumpkin spice for fall, peppermint for winter, lemongrass for spring, and my favorite, tropical coconut for summer. Uh, it includes body bars and shampoo for for each season, along with hand and lip balm as a free gift. My wife is always having dry skin problems with that, so she appreciates that as well. It's basically like this. Normally, it's 120 bucks. The Mother's Day special is $99 if you click on the four seasons of soap. But if you add promo code Daniel, you get an extra $10 off. So it's just $89. Soap for the whole year, supporting our cause, parallel economies, our sorts of people, and a teenage entrepreneur in Florida. Again, qpgoatsoap.com, promo code Daniel. All right, so that's one America. That's the America we need to grow, create, recreate. Here's the other America. I'll read to you Politico's description of the report. Um, a new portrait of American teenagers in crisis. In 2021, one in five high school students said they witnessed violence in their communities. Nearly 9% of students said they'd been forced into sex in, in their life. A third of female students said that they considered suicide in the past year. This is 2021. And over 13% said they attempted suicide. This is from CDC's survey of high schoolers. It's their youth risk behavior survey. It is unreal. Now, relate, Now, obviously, the degree of suicidal thoughts skyrocketed during lockdowns. And that certainly has a lot to do with it. But it's not a coincidence that this third number, this, you know, third of them considered suicide, coincides with another number. About 25%. I want you to understand this. 25% identified as the sexual retard alphabet soup. And I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to parrot the left-wing talking point of absurdity and echo their absurd, meaningless assortment of, of, of letters in the alphabet. 25%. But listen to this. So you'd say, well, you know, a generation ago it was nothing, whatever. True. But you don't have to go back a generation. Okay? This is 2021. Look at this. 25% compared to just over 11% in 2019. So it more than doubled in two years. There's no question COVID has what to do with it. You say, well, what, is, what do the two have to do with each other? Um, who knows? Maybe the shots have some hormones in it. I mean, I'm not I'm joking around, but can't put anything past them. But it, it's part of an entire... When you make people nuts and mentally ill, mentally ill lock onto trends and obsessions. So when you simultaneously make people depressed and suicidal, and then you have the technology to ping people and bombard them with insanity, it's th it's those people who are the most vulnerable, not exclusively. I'm sure there's plenty of hetero, obviously, have suicidal thoughts, but there's no question that the two track together. Um, the increase in suicide, the increase in people that identifies that. Folks, if no other measure or economic measure, cultural measure is, is ever posited and discussed, 
This one alone is a kill shot. How do you even survive that? That's, that's not natural. Nobody could tell you that's natural. Where do you even go from there? It is utterly insane. That's what they're trying to do. So this is why I am colored by my thought process that we are so far gone. You're never going to take over their areas because we have enough of this in our areas. Meaning if it's 25% in the aggregate nationwide, so you take a deep red area, I'm sure it's less, but it's still in insane territory. So we're at, we're struggling just to maintain our own areas. There's no way we're going to control their areas. But here's the problem. They're already coming for our areas. They're not stupid. We talked a lot over the years, and we'll talk a little bit more about legal immigration, that they strategically steer illegals towards our communities. They strategically seeded red states like North, North Dakota with refugees from crazy parts of the world. It's all part of a color revolution. But they have other ways of doing this. Do you think they're like, oh, you know, cutting your balls off and the homosexual agenda is only for San Francisco? No, they have a 3,000 county agenda. They don't just let that go. So there's a terrific but scary article written in the American Mind by Claremont. Peachy Keenan is the writer. I don't know if that's a real name. Um, And it's titled Revolution of Color. So I just want to discuss what this means. Obviously, color revolution is you know, when you create these uprisings against the regime to subvert the status quo and strategically create something new. And they certainly did this in the Orange Revolution, Ukraine, 2004, again in 2014. But this color revolution is the color of the rainbow flag. In response to the horrific shooting in nearby Nashville... What did the Franklin, Tennessee City Council decide to vote on last week? And Franklin, Tennessee was considered like the one of the biggest GOP areas in the country. It was a bastion of GOP for many years, Franklin County. Hosting a new pride parade through the center of town. Franklin is a quiet, idyllic little town just south of where the Covenant School shooting took place. And according to friends who fled California for new, more peaceful lives there, no one wants or needs more pride in town. But the mayor surrendered naturally and bent the knee to the trans activists, perhaps in fear they would wreak even more vengeance against the local school. He voted to break the tie and allow the upcoming parade. A friend in Franklin sent me this. What isn't being reported is that small businesses and companies spoke out against the parade. There had been a small gay festival outside town the last two years, and it was not well attended. This is just outside activist push. The majority of the city is pretty upset. They were upset last year when there were drag performances in town. The city is being targeted, but there is no desire among the populace for this. So this this really embodies red state America. The people don't want it. They're not into it. But we don't have political representation to actually fight back against it. Now, folks, another sponsor today is our partner, especially of late Patriot Academy, 
they are trying to create a new generation of high school and college kids that share our values, live our values. We talk a lot about their constitutional defense course, and certainly you could join join me for the next one. I don't have a date when I'm going next, but again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel, you could check out. They have courses pretty much every other week, um, and they will start soon. Their shotgun and rifle defense courses as well as the handgun ones, which are already up. So don't wait for when I'm going to go out. I'll let you know when I'm going out next. Uh, go without me. You'll, you will not be disappointed. Um, any questions you have, you could email Rick Green's children at defense at patriotacademy.com. Um, but they have also their biblical citizenship course, their constitution coach uh, program where you know you could organize names and teach their constitution course in your community. This is how you start these cells to fight back because this is what we need. And anyway, in this article, they go back to Gavin Newsom is went on a trip to Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Florida. And at the end of you know his trip, Newsom remarked that at the end of the day, that's what's going on to be that's what's going to be required of us to address so much of the rights regression, so much of the rollback of the progress that we've enjoyed, the national advancement of rights in the last fifty years. We have a lot of work to do to build a movement to counter what's happening in red states across the country. You would think, I mean, he has his fiefdom there in California. It's a pagan hell or utopia from his perspective. Why does he need to go to some backwater place in Alabama as he would kind of view it? But they're not stupid. They understand what Politico recently observed, which is what we've been observing for a generation, that we have supermajority voters in half the states. And in fact, because they're concentrated in bigger areas, we technically have more red jurisdictions, either states and certainly counties, than they do. More in individual sovereign units of government that we could push our agenda than they do. Easily, without even having to change hearts and minds. And indeed, there are supermajority Republican-controlled legislatures that reflect that. But as you all know, you know, it's just because there's two parties, so you have... Supermajority conservative voters, so therefore you have a supermajority what? Republican elected representatives. Now, they don't represent us. But it's not lost on them that we're at a tipping point where red states can go in the direction we want to go and we're trying to get. But at the same time, they haven't been there yet. At the same time, most Republicans are, are bought out in these states and they're part of it. And these guys could just march in and do their thing. This needs to be our focus. And this is why I keep saying, more important than Ron DeSantis running for president, who winds up being president, it's what he's doing with Disney is so, so important. Because that is why red states aren't red. All of these guys, why can't we even fight illegal immigration in most red states? Because they're bought out by the ag lobby, the Chamber of Commerce. Even the things culturally that you would think even like weak Republicans would side with us with, and they might in their privacy of their home in the abstract, some do, some don't, but they are bought out by the special interests, which are just as bad in all 50 states. This is what people don't understand. People are like, why do you have to go so hard against Disney? You run the risk of, of, of turning away businesses. 
That's the point, dude. You have to make them come on your terms. Now, by the way, it's stupid because Florida is so wealthy now. There's no business that's going to be like, except for maybe Ben and Jerry's. But they're not going to be like, oh, I would go. But now that he's going to be too conservative, I'm not going to move there. They're for self-preservation. Now, part of self-preservation is there's a mafia. You have to understand a lot of corporations aren't naturally woke. But it's like the ransom card you have to pay. Hey, hey. I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm part of the homosexual agenda. Don't tase me, bro. But if they know they're going to have equal and opposing force, that he's now going to actively come after you for pushing your garbage on the state, then you just might stay out of it. So look at this. Marco Rubio joins the pile on. This is from the FloridaPolitics.com. I do worry that if this happens too many times, businesses that are thinking about coming to Florida are saying maybe we don't want to go there. Marco Rubio is raising concerns about a potentially problematic precedent in the ongoing war between the Florida governor and the entertainment giant. While the senator stopped short of opposing the ongoing offensive against the company, he made made it clear on Fox and Friends the state could be going down a slippery slope. Quote, I think... Where it gets problematic in the eyes of some people is when you start creating the idea, and I'm not saying we're just, we're there yet as a state, (laughs) but the idea that somehow, like, if you run crossways with us politically, whoever is in charge, then you know you wind up in the crosshairs of the legislature for political purposes. Folks, this is exactly the linchpin of why red states aren't red. You have an entire generation that is trying to get the most licentious, godless, disgusting things, not just in their states, but they're targeting, not not just the feds, but even like Gavin Newsom. They're targeting our states. So people like Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, all of them, they think you could just kind of be neutral. Hey, you know, it's all good. We don't like it, but, you know, it's all good. Newton's laws of motion, folks. If you have force applied in one direction, you don't have equal and opposing force in the other direction, what happens? You cannot be neutral in that. I don't understand. We've all been begging for someone to do this for generations. Someone finally does it. Everyone dumps on him. And there's not a lot of defense of him. It's just a little bit weird. To me... I don't even care if you had every governor doing this, shedding your influence of the health cartel in your state, of the university systems, of the Chamber of Commerce, of the Walmarts of the world in in places like Arkansas. We would have enough places where we could raise kids, raise a family, live in at least in some modicum of freedom, live out our lives. That's all I ask. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know you have, um, where is this? In West Virginia, the Republicans control the House 31, no, I'm sorry, the Senate, 31 to 3, and the House 88 to 12. Imagine that. So let's take the House, perfect 100, 100 members. So the Senate, U.S. Senate has 100 members. So we're all like, you know, is it 50 seats? Could Republicans get 52, 53? Imagine if I told you tomorrow 
the GOP in Washington, the Senate, would have an 88 to 12 majority. That's what they have. Yet, as you remember, they had the worst lockdown of any red state. They were out of school forever. They were masked in school then forever after they came back. It was horrible. By this subhuman, AI bot, disgusting piece of garbage named Jim Justice. Okay? Now, we all wonder, why is it that we have all these Republican senators who are terrible? You could count on one hand the number of them who share our values. This has always been a problem, dating back to Bob Dole. Even when the House passed the contract with America, we could never get anything past the Senate. Senate Republicans are always horrible. And everyone's like, what the heck? They're with us. They're, they're, they're joining with Schumer. Right, right, right now, and, that, and believe me, there's plenty of House Republicans that are terrible. But the House Republicans look like the Founding Fathers compared to Senate Republicans. The Senate Republicans literally side with Chuck Schumer over even Kevin McCarthy. And everyone wonders why. Yet as soon as we get an opportunity to get in a new senator in a deep red state, I'm not talking about the swing states even. Now, by the way, I'm not seeding the point that somehow you need a rhino in a swing state. It has to do with the quality of the candidate. Dr. Oz is the biggest leftist Republican around, but he was a terrible candidate. Okay, you have establishment candidates that are kind of better quality and worse quality. You have our type of candidates that are better quality and worse quality. But let's just see that point for a minute. Forget about swing states. We're talking about deep red states. The first thing people go to, oh my gosh, we just need to win, Daniel. Let's get the guy with all the money and name ID. Oh, Jim Justice, he's a sitting governor, he's a billionaire. Boom. And everyone's throwing their panties at him. He is to the left of Joe Biden on on COVID and every issue for that matter. There is quite literally no difference between him and, and Joe Manchin. Not one. I can't find a single issue where they disagree on. He, he backed, by the way, Jim Justice backed Biden's signature trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that basically does to transportation, infrastructure, cars, manufacturing, what they did to us on health care. Garbage products, green energy, surveillance in your cars, a lot of bad things are in that bill, aside from just the waste of money and cronyism and, and by the way, remaking red states with all these NGOs that have a hand in it. Jim Justice is the embodiment of the problem we have in red states. See, the left is very smart. Jim Justice was a Democrat for 66 years of his life. 2017, it finally became untenable to remain a Democrat in West Virginia. He just switches parties. Same person, same views. Nothing has changed. That's what what they've done in these states. They're like, okay, we'll be a Republican. Now, normally, if you had a normal Republican party that runs a tight ship that couldn't fly because you'd vet that out. You can't take one party Democrat states and get a fake Republican come in there and run as a Democrat. They'll sniff you out in a second. This guy should be a non-starter. Alex Mooney is the other guy running. He's a Freedom Caucus guy. Not one of my favorite, but certainly a lot better than Jim Justice. And we're always wondering, why can't we get more like the Freedom Caucus guys in the House to move over to the Senate? Well, we have two so far this year. Matt Rosendale, who's really literally top, top, top notch in Montana and Alex Mooney in West Virginia. And the Trump world is threatening to endorse 
the establishment person in both cases. Jim Justice is very close to Trump, got his endorsement in the past for governor, and Justice said on the record that he already reached out to Trump, which obviously he did. Now, Trump hasn't decided yet, but I have a column out today warning him, you better not endorse Jim Justice. Imagine if he would endorse Alex Mooney and go and campaign in West Virginia about how terrible this piece of garbage was. If he was so bad that when Biden announced he slipped up and said the pandemic was over last September, Justice attacked him from the left and called it crazy land. That was a word he used. It's like, we need more vaccines. This piece of garbage got three shots by now. He probably got 10, but he got three shots by, by what is it, early last year, um, over a year ago, and he got a pretty bad case of COVID. It was bad. And, you know, he's a big guy, very big guy, must be like six, seven or something. So, you know, COVID attacks those people pretty badly. After three shots, and, and of course, didn't work. He goes and gets the monoclonals, which then he took off the market for the rest of the people, but he got it. His office admitted that that helped him, but then after he was done with it, like later on, he says, the, the COVID shot saved my life. That's, I mean, he's a subhuman piece of garbage. Deep red states, 15 years into the Tea Party, when we promised we wouldn't do this again, in the reddest states, even now, we're putting in new rhinos. Same thing in um, Montana. Matt Rosendale, he could walk into that seat. Remember, Montana just split into two districts, but he was originally elected as one district. So he's been elected statewide. I understand it's an incumbent Democrat, but it's hard for him to hold this seat in this environment. John Tester, that is. And Mitch McConnell's like, no way, we ain't having him in there. So it happens to be that the NRSC chair this year is the other Montana senator, Steve Daines. Interestingly enough, Steve Daines endorsed Trump already. And they're both trying to get this um, McConnell and Daines, that is, this guy Sheehy, this wealthy businessman, to run. And they're going to back him. They're actively taking sides, the NRSC, to get Rosendale out. Even though Sheehy's a nothing and Rosendale is a House member. You know, a lot of people are always like, Daniel, well, you know, you have to get better candidates. You know, because typically you don't want to go up against the establishment if you have a budding career. So we have to get a random guy. But these are House members that we want to move to the Senate. And we can't even make progress in red states. And Trump is ticked off at Rosendale, and is there's a threat. He's and it looks like he's not going to endorse him because if you remember that famous picture when Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to jam her phone into the ear of Rosendale to listen to Trump, who was convincing them not to oppose Kevin McCarthy, and Rosendale, to his credit, was no, I don't want to hear it. Trump needs to stay out of this. This is the perfect embodiment of Trump in his world working with McConnell, directly with McConnell, to. Putting new rhinos from deep red states and sabotage our guys. If you call yourself MAGA in any way, Matt Rosendale checks every box. He's as hardcore as you'll ever get. And we won't take yes for an answer. We're going to have to struggle and fight even without Trump weighing in. He should weigh in on our side and make it easier for us. That's what he promised to drain the swamp. 
But right now, the word on the street is it's more likely he's going to endorse Sheehy and then Jim Justice in West Virginia. Truly a disgrace. But I want to get to our interview today. Our interview segment is sponsored by our new sponsor, Barrel Buddy. I just cleaned my guns out for my trip um, last night with uh, my kids were able to watch. They wanted to watch me give the gun a bath. So uh, what what did I do? I jammed a round peg in a round hole rather than a dirty shedding rag like we always try to do. They made a carefully designed cartridge that fits right in, gives you full compression, 360 degrees, and then you could put it back in again and lube it. It is an amazing concept. It is it makes cleaning so much cleaner, fun, and efficient. If you go to barrelbuddy.com, you can get 50 barrel barrel buddy cartridges. Pick out your um, caliber. Obviously, I use nine millimeter, fourteen ninety nine for fifty of them. Um, put away your boar snake or your patches that are all messy and inefficient. Use barrel buddy today at barrelbuddy.com. So as we talk about cleaning out your barrel after firing many hundreds of rounds into it, we have to clean out the gunk in red states, the blue moldy gunk that is permeating all of our, what should be pristine red states. And whenever we have these type of discussions and do these shows, you can't really do it without discussing Texas. It's the largest red state. It's always viewed as the Lone Star, a lot of pride in its state sovereignty, more than really any other state. And again, you look at the trifecta control, and that state has been invaded for years on end, and nothing seems to matter. Just like with COVID, no matter how many data points we have, how many people die, we can't get people to be 10 magnitudes of order within where they should be policy-wise in the issue. So it's the same thing, same thing here. How many more? How many more? We have hundreds of thousands a month pouring over. It's unsustainable on many levels. By the way, a cultural level, too. It's not lost on the left. Um, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, they're trying to change us culturally. That same CDC study I talked about that mentioned about a quarter of all high school students identify as one of the alphabet soup things. So they also brag about the demographics, too. And and I don't want to compare the two because they're obviously not the same. One is sinful or mentally ill behavior. Another just happens to be your race or demographic, which there's nothing inherently right or wrong about one or another. We're all created equal in the image of God. But my point is it's unnatural, and it is done by design to be this sort of revolution to change red states, to change the country, but particularly to ensure that we don't have a refuge of a conservative majority um, with values reflecting that. So why do I say how many more? Because that is the title of the rally tomorrow in Austin at the Capitol. Make sure we have a lot of Texas listeners. Make sure you are there, be there, or be square. Uh, organized by my next guest, Mark Meckler, the president of Convention of the States. How many more? What is it going to take until we finally focus on the issue that matters and the way it matters at the time it matters? Stop with these press releases, these games. Shut it down. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been way too long. Yeah, great to be with you. We were talking off air about how we just seem to pass like ships in the night. Literally, physically, I know you were at a Patriot Academy. You were there one day after I was there. I think they're afraid of having us both on the range at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to see that, but I, I figure for the next class, we'll have to join forces. 
And, um, you know, I always say, you know, I've been a supporter of the Convention of the States, but there's a capital C, you know, a term of art Convention of the States. But then there's the lowercase, just the notion that when you have a federal government doing illegal, destructive and not just any illegal and destructive things, but things that violate the social compact. You know what I mean? Like you're you're working with the cartels to invade your own country. So you need the red states to get together and say, we're not doing this. Obviously, Texas is on the border itself. It's the biggest red state on the border itself. So could you just explain the target of this rally, the purpose of it, but also people might say, well, you know, Greg Abbott's done a lot. You have Operation Lone Star. He's deployed the National Guard. You know, what more do you want from him? Yeah, so the purpose of the rally, first of all, is to make sure that we reframe the debate correctly. Because one of the things I think is we just, we've talked about illegal immigration. That's almost become a trope. Mm. We've been talking about it for so long. And for those of us who live here in the Lone Star State, we're facing this up close and personal. And so across the country now, but obviously we have the largest contiguous border with Mexico of any state, and it's really bad what's going on out there. And instead of just referring it to an as an immigration problem, what I want people to see, what, what I've seen, the horrors of the humanitarian crisis that our open border is causing. You know, we talk about human trafficking. That's another term I really don't like because the right term is just slavery. But we have a huge slave trade in the United States of America right now. It's unbelievable to think here in 2023 that there is open, ongoing, widespread slavery, much of it sexual slavery, but some of it just you know, servitude. We, we just saw a testimony before Congress by a whistleblower of young children essentially being sold into the slave trade and, and being used as laborers. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable what's going on in the country right now. And we have an obligation to stop this. And so that's what it's about is showing people what's going on, the, the child rape, the torture, the murders, the fentanyl deaths. I want people to understand it and look it in the face and decide how many more are they individually willing to tolerate before they're willing to step up and do something. Now, I like the way you frame it in terms of slavery, because really that's what it is. Now, we think of it at, at the beginning of the food chain with the cartels and the smugglers getting paid money and making them work it off. And I certainly agree with that. But I think a lot of us don't focus on the end route, the landing place of that slavery, which is really the linchpin in my mind as to why Republicans don't do what it takes, because they support slavery. It's the cheap labor. They Now, there's a few different types of illegal immigration, but the lion's share of them, they wind up where? Working for slave labor. That That's... That is what this is. I mean, that's the underbelly of this no one wants to talk about. We have legalized slavery in America. No, we absolutely do at this point. And, and the Republicans are complicit. Democrats are complicit, sometimes for different reasons. But the results are exactly the same. And, and I think this is the thing that most Americans don't realize. And I'll tell you, since I started organizing this rally that we're going to have on Saturday, I've seen this up close and personal I've seen stuff that I wish I'd never seen, to be honest with you. The pictures that are so horrifying. You see what ranchers are finding on their ranches. I think you've been down to the border. You know, the bodies, the decapitations, the mutilations, the torture, the rape. Most Americans, when they think of illegal immigration or they think of migrants, it's not what they think of. And I understand the humanitarian heart that says, you know, people are coming here for opportunity. 
A lot of that is true, but what's happening to them along the way, if you have any sense of humanity, then you've got to want to stop this. But but aside from that, what has also been noted, and I've spoken to uh, you know, elected officials, mayor, the mayor in um, Uvalde County, the sheriff, the county prosecutor, and what they're finding there increasingly, and I would say more so than even during the 2018-2019 wave um, that was particularly from Central America, is a lot of young males in camo traipsing across the ranches. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, we're being infiltrated by young military-aged males. And I think one of the things that people misunderstand about what's going on in the border is how controlled it is. Because we see pictures and we think it's chaos. Not one of those, quote-unquote, migrants is coming across the border without paying the, the migrant tax, the cartel tax. And they come in controlled waves, and then the cartels use those waves because Border Patrol to be completely occupied with processing them per the Biden administration. And that allows that anybody who wants to be smuggled across the border, come across the border, these young males in camo, to do it basically unobstructed. And so I think what we have being planted in the United States are terrorists. We know that 83 known terrorists have already been arrested coming across the border. God knows how many have gotten away, likely the vast majority of them. They're from all over the world. They're not just from Mexico or South or Central America. We have recent evidence of Chinese nationals of military age sneaking into the country. So I think this is an operation intended to destabilize America at its core. Yep, it's part of that color revolution. I mean, they that's how you change America from within, rot out our bodies, minds, souls, communities, um, <clears throat> forcibly create chaos, uh, and it's it's part of why they're letting out the prisons as well. I mean, domestically, it's it's just it's just one after another violating the social compact. So that's what I wanted to get to. You you violate the social compact. Um, it, it, Madison talked about it in the Federalist Papers. Um, you know, even even Hamilton did in uh, Federalist Thirty Three when 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 you know the supremacy clause is basically in pursuance thereof when the federal government follow something in pursuance thereof, you know, it's one of the enumerated powers. They do what they're supposed to be doing. It uh, is supreme to to state law. But what happens, you know, when the federal government just shreds the INA? Okay, it's just like every everything designed to keep them out, they use it to bring them in. And that's what they've been doing. So, you know, states at some point have to step up the doctrine of lowest magistrate, fill that void, and... The problem with Greg Abbott is that it reminds me of his COVID order. Under pressure, he'll finally relent and like, all right, no mask or, or, or vaccine mandates anywhere. And he actually did write an executive order like that. But everyone knew it was a joke. There was no enforcement. And it was kind of like that. Is that what he's been doing with Operation Lone Star? Like, yeah, we're, we're just sending back the illegals. But then that doesn't really happen. Yeah, look, and I, I always want to give even a little bit of credit where it's due because I don't want to just relentlessly beat on the politicians. So I would say in his favor, and I'm not a huge Greg Abbott fan, but in his favor, he's done more than any other border state governor. You know, no other border state has even an operation Lone Star, but to put it in realistic context, we're suffering an arterial hemorrhage and he put a tiny little round bandaid on it. 
It's not going to make a difference. It's not making a difference. I mean, at the margin, maybe, but really overall, it's not made a difference. And so what I think is that he has done something. He's certainly done more than other governors, but he's not done anywhere near enough. And he's certainly not done everything that's in his power to do. So discuss what some of those action items are that you're calling for tomorrow. Yeah, I would say sort of the centerpiece of this, uh, and it came out of committee last night, I'm happy to report, the centerpiece is something called House Bill 20. House Bill 20 will have the legislature declare an invasion, which I think is important to get the legislature Mm -hmm. on the record, and it will create a border protection unit. This is the first and only of its kind, will be the only state in the United States of America ever to create a law enforcement agency specifically dedicated to border protection. And they will have a very specific mandate, and I think this is important, the language, exactly how it's couched is important. They are mandated to repel the invasion. And what does that mean specifically? It means when people are trying to illegally cross the border, they push them back. If they make it across the border, Mm. they return them to the Mexican side of the border, and they will be armed and they will be authorized to do whatever it takes to push people back across the border. So a couple things here that this is very important, very, very important action item. HB 20. Obviously, we've been calling for this for years that unlike what what's been done with the National Guard or the Texas State Guard, Texas, Texas National Guard, is that they they help complete the smuggling conspiracy. I mean, they're trying to do Correct. do yep. their good work, but ultimately, OK, oh, I see some here here and they go and return them to Border Patrol. Well, Border Patrol is just ordered to do with them what they continue doing with them and processing most of them. So, you know, that that presupposes that the federal government is on our side. So you're like, hey, you know, here's some state officials that will assist. But if this federal government is being subversive <clears throat> and abusing the mandate of Border Patrol to do the exact opposite of their mission statement, almost like using Border Patrol and ICE as USCIS as like a benefit agency rather than an enforcement agency so then it's really no use to to be doing that and that's what lone star has been until now so this would say no we are going to do what you are supposed to be doing but aren't doing we are going to repel the invasion it's straight up in the compact clause you don't even need to come on to my principle i mean i've been espousing this a lot again doctrine of lowest magistrate when you have a violation of the social compact when um you know, the Constitution is not a suicide pact when they breach the Constitution and then that creates chaos in the states. They have the right to do what it takes to defend themselves against it. But this actually is spelled out. Um, who who would these people be? Would they be a part of the Guard, DPS, or just kind of a new agency where anyone could apply? No, it's a completely new agency. These will be fully trained law enforcement officials. Uh, they can be people from other agencies. There, there's a whole list of folks that could be immediately deputized into this new agency. I think one of the most important things about HB 20 that makes me hopeful, it also makes me a little skeptical, but it makes me hopeful, is it is under the control of Greg Abbott, of our governor. And why I think that's important isn't that because he's been so strong on the border, but I want to have somebody, an individual, held responsible for what happens here. And so what I want to be able to do is when our border is looking secure and things are getting better and we're seeing an improvement, I want to be able to say, hey, Greg Abbott gets the credit for this. And if it's not, then I want to be able to do what we're doing with this rally and I want to be able to bring the pressure and say, hey, we made sure you had the authority and now it's on your plate to fix this problem. 
And again, folks, you could find out more about it, howmanymore.com. Very simple URL um, and a very sublime statement, howmanymore.com. One of the things I'm seeing you talk about seizing the cartel bank account assets and designating them as a terror organization, that's been talked about a lot at a federal level, but at a state level, what does that look like? Yeah, at a state level, I think it's really important. So I'm going to give you an example, a a very specific example most people don't realize. Since Again, I've learned so much. I know you have too since we kind of started really taking a look at this thing. One of the things I found out is that a vast majority of the used car dealerships on the United States side of the border are actually owned and operated by the cartels now. And they do this because they need cars to, to drive around, to transport illegals, to transport drugs, to do their business. And so those are assets owned by the cartels that, when traced down, could be seized by the state government. A, a local car dealership, that's an asset that is licensed by the state government. So those are things that they could go after that would cause real pain for the cartels, not so much even financially because they're $150 billion a year business, but it would disrupt their operations. You know, there are in the DMVs here, the Department of Motor Vehicles here in Texas, where you would register your car, they have plants in those and they register cars to random people. So we have to disrupt their ability to transport. We need to go after the financial technology companies, commonly called FinTech, that are allowing for the cross-border transfer of funds for the cartels. There's a whole number of ways that we can disrupt cartel activity. Right now they operate with impunity in the United States. No, I think this is very important that a lot of people need to understand. You don't get that degree of operational control of the border without assets on both sides. It's not that they're operating on the Mexican side. They have so many people. There's been stories of land ownership for many years. Some of the ranches are are bought up, so they have a seamless um, seamless path to a smuggling route. There are a lot. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of corruption over the years with certain Democrat officials in some border counties being involved in that. And that, you know, back when the FBI was maybe doing better work, they they did uh, go after some of those people. Now, I don't think we could count on that because uh, they're they're kind of busy with other operations. So that's another thing that the Texas law enforcement really needs to look at. What about are there any other pieces of legislation dealing with um Interior enforcement. So I know in in Florida now, there is a bill that's about to come to the surface dealing with really making it a felony to transport illegal aliens directly challenging, by the way, Arizona v. U.S., the garbage ruling that Scalia so vociferously dissented from. Um, The hope is that there's a new, you know, with the new balance on the court, um, that that should be overturned. So my understanding is Florida is directly trying to set up a challenge like they did with Dobbs and abortion. Is that on the table at all in the Texas legislature? Yeah, I think it is. Whether it actually makes it through the legislature, I don't know. You know, this is a biennial legislature, meaning it it only meets every two years. Uh, We're getting down to the last roughly four weeks of the legislative session. There's hundreds and hundreds of bills that have to make crossover and go between the houses. So I'm worried that a lot of this is just going to get caught in the legislative machinery and some of it intentionally, I think. And I was worried about HB 20 until last night. I'm still worried about it. It has to go through calendars committee and sometimes things go there to die. So we need to see that get to the floor and then move over to the Senate quickly. There's a bill that turns uh, trespass into a third degree felony. 
and that gives law enforcement officers, state law enforcement officers, and local law enforcement officers much more grounds to go after and lock up illegal immigrants who are virtually always involved in some way or another in, yep. in some form of trespass. And so there are a number of tools. There is a compact uh, that just came out of committee last night, an interstate compact, which I know you're very familiar with, and getting ready to enter with other states into these interstate compacts for cooperation to stop this invasion that's going on. So there is a, there are a whole number of pieces. We'll see how it shakes out in the next four weeks, but there's a lot in play right now. And that's the bottom line. If the red states got together and did their job, Ron DeSantis was on this show a year and a half ago. He said, look, if I had another governor to work with, I would have a state-based return to Mexico policy. That's what he called it, basically deportation by the states. But, you know, he doesn't really have anyone to work with. But Texas is doubly true because physically you're at the spot of the invasion. So you just repel it at a minimum. You don't, It's not even having like your own ICE program, just repel it, which they certainly have the right to do. You have the interior enforcement. You have the going after the cartel assets. This is a much bigger deal than just a federal border security bill, which is just throw more money at DHS. You know, the Border Patrol has tripled in size since the Bush administration. And again, it's a, ma- a matter of what you're using it for. And this is really where it's at. It's the, it's states like Texas need to lead on this issue uh, for self-preservation, but also nationally to make this issue roll. How many more dot com? Mark, we got to do a whole nother show on this, but just real briefly. I mean, you know, we're, I'm looking at this Texas legislature. Why is it after 15 years of focus from really good grassroots on trying to make the legislature better. It's almost like we still don't even have enough members to go around to create a freedom caucus. Yeah, I would say, like, and this is true in Texas. I've, I've seen this in Ohio now. It's true in a bunch of the red states. One of the things that happens, and we should do a whole show on this. We should look into Ohio and talk about that specifically. In Ohio this year, the Ohio legislature was poised to elect a very good conservative yep. speaker of the House governor of Derek Marin, a big COS champion. And what happened is a guy by the name of Stevens allied with all the Democrats. So Republican squish, the worst, allied with all the Democrats, and they elected him speaker. And in exchange, what he did is he made all the squishes committee chairs. And then he gave the Democrats everything they wanted, which was <laughs> to kill all the Republican priorities. And so this is a danger out there, Daniel, that I don't think most people are aware of. This can be done in a lot of legislatures where there isn't an overwhelming Republican majority. And even in the states where there's an overwhelming Republican majority, we've got to remember a lot of those Republicans, and and this is not something I like, but it's a fact, they come from parts of the state that aren't necessarily deep red. So they're in the cities or around the fringes of the big cities. And so you or have some to of them deal are. with that. Some of them are, but they're just subversive no matter what. I mean, like to your point in Wyoming, we had, gosh, I want to say like a 55 to 5 majority there in the House. And I will tell you, yeah. those are the five most powerful Democrats around because we're right at the line. So let's say there's 55 Republicans. It's about kind of 27 27, 28, split down the line in terms of conservatives and fake Republicans. So you add the five Dems. It's like, whoa, how did a 55-5 majority turn into a thing where we can't even get the porn out of the state-funded libraries, uh, the the, the schools, and and the gender curriculum in the University of Wyoming? I mean, I I just – I feel like we're starting to get on the map. Do do you see signs in general across the country? Because obviously you work the legislatures a lot 
um, that we're making some degree of progress? Yeah, I do, actually. I mean, even here in Texas, I have to say, I'm not happy with the performance of the legislature, but it is better. We're seeing things now that we would not have seen five years ago in the legislature. And people have to remember that working legislatively is a long game. Yes, It takes time to change a legislature because it's not enough to just change people out. Then people have to work their way up into leadership. You have to hope that people retain their principles as they move up into leadership. So it's always a long game. No, and, and I think that's really important. I didn't have time today, folks, but a lot of you have been asking me about Florida Senate Bill 252, the Medical Freedom Bill, and a lot of people felt there was a better bill there, and there was some information, oh, it was a fake pharma Democrat horrible bill, but in fact, it was stronger than any bill passed in the country. It wasn't as good as I wanted it, and people think, well, you got DeSantis there, you got it all. You know, my understanding is he has a lot of influence, but again, still... Uh, the Senate president there is pretty liberal. The health committee members, a lot of them aren't good. So, you know, as as strong as I am, and I think you agree with me, Mark, we have a big picture. I want and all mandates, you know, I, I want, you know, vaccination status to be part of anti-discrimination law. I've said that before. I want to aim for that. But at the same point, if you reach a point where you know you're up to the line, this is the best, best you can get that session, you take it and you come back for more. Um, so yeah, hopefully, look, I, yeah. that. And, and I do want to give one caveat to folks out there because your listeners and my followers are the same people. Oh yeah. We're grassroots I saw a lot folks. of them. Yep. So we're grassroots folks and we're carrying the pitchfork and the torch and we want the whole thing. But the reality is what we've got to make sure that we don't do is kill our own guys when they don't deliver the whole thing. Mm. Right. So like you said, in Florida, that is the best medical freedom bill in the nation. I don't want to kill people for passing that. And we got to be really careful. We got to remember to thank them for getting something really good done. And just remember, we're going to come back next session and we're going to come back for more. But we don't want to beat on them when they do something good just because it's not perfect. Yeah, I, I've had so many members. I remember in the Dakotas, I mean, I'm talking about the best guys in the chamber. I had like five different levels. I was, I was like, darn, do you, do you really have to take that out, Jim? And he's like, I'm telling you, Daniel, we, it will not get past the committee without it. He's not the problem. It's the other guys you need to keep working on. Um, but yeah, we can't become a circulating fire, firing squad. I call it a reverse thumb sucker. So I call like guys like Hugh Hewitt a thumb sucker because the GOP is all great. Everything they do is great. You never get your hands dirty in every fight. But then if everything is bad... You, you land in the same thing. You know, it's the same. It's the reason why I supported the debt ceiling bill. Um, you know, it's not like, oh, raise the debt for a little bit of uh, a debt commission. No, it had a ton of stuff in there that the Democrats would never, ever, ever, ever support in, in the front door. You could say, well, the work requirements could be stronger. This, that. That doesn't matter. We needed to draw a line in the sand. We'll see what happens. But you know, again, there, there's a balance there. You have to try to deal. I mean, because Mark, every day, you know, you know what a prophet of woe and lamentation I am. Every day, I feel like saying, "Screw it." We are so far behind where we need to be. We'll never get there. But if I'm going to engage in this professionally and going to try to make a, a difference, you have to be outcome based. So I'm assuming you're doing this with the border as well. You have you have a kind of a a a tower at the end of that ocean that you're you're driving toward, you're aiming the ship towards it, and you get as close you as you can to land it there. Give you the final word, we'll sew up from here. Yeah, look, that is exactly my approach. I mean, and one thing I want to say is I have great hope for this country. 
I travel all over the country. I've been in 48 states in the last couple of years. I see great patriots rising up all over the country. I see people who are speaking my language like you and getting bigger and bigger followings doing it. So I think my, my view on things is times are dark, but God's still in it and it's going to be okay. And my job is to do my duty and fight. John Quincy Adams said, duty is ours. Results belong to God. And that's how I try to look at this every day. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really dark. But yeah, I'm shooting for the end goal where we have restored self-governance in America. I don't know if I'll see that in my lifetime, but I intend to fight for it as long as I'm here. Absolutely. Again, howmanymore.com. You can also check out Convention of the States. I'm Mark Meckler now on Twitter as well. All right. Next time, I hope to see you guys and some of your audience, my audience as well, at Patriot Academy now that they have their own campus and you don't live too far away um so oh, i'm about an hour and a half from there so i'll be there next time you're there i promise i am you that. so jealous of you beautiful texas hill country there what a great time we had we'll see you next time take care god bless all right god bless thanks Danny. so mark meckler there and, and look i give meckler a lot of credit um a lot of people like being one trick ponies they start an organization and they only focus on one thing despite other issues going around so you know he he focused on convention of the states but you know he's dealing with the border issue and so this is very, very important rally. And again, I know I dropped in there, this Florida thing. A lot of people have been asking about this bill. Um, there's a lot to say on it, and I, it would take about an hour to get out all my thoughts. There's a lot of things that are true at the same time. Um, I would recommend you go to Jeff Childers. He has a, uh, a Substack, Coffee and COVID. And if you go to his Friday letter, uh, he really has a whole length on this. And my thoughts track very closely with his, um, you know, again, this is the first bill in the country, not just to ban all vaccine mandates for COVID, but EUA and mRNA. Some people claim, oh, it only does mRNA for two years. Yeah, but the understanding is they'll come back and more get it permanent. This is all to get rhinos. And it's, it's you know, you got to be able to do that. Um, they're upset it didn't do it with every vaccine, but it does have a very strong religious exemption. Um I would love much more, and we're going to push much more, but it's not negative. And, and, and one example I just want to give of misinformation put out, the bill that the, these guys wanted, 222, actually didn't have anything on the WHO treaty. Here, it's like it did ban WHO regulations. But people who are illiterate and don't know how to read legislation, they're like, oh, but it says unless the state does it. Of course, you have to have notwithstanding other provisions under law because what that means is um, – for example, let's say the WHO had a guidance one day, a health guidance. Oh, there's a heat wave. Make sure the kids are drinking enough. So that would mean Florida wouldn't be allowed to say, oh, uh, make sure you drink enough. Oh, because you're following a WHO guidance. It happened. No, it means notwithstanding any state law. Now, if you wrote it notwithstanding a federal, then that would be a fake provision because then if, if Biden adopts it, you're stuck with it. It's literally the language from the most conservative member in North Dakota. North Dakota passed that HB 1111. It's just pure ignorance. I wish it could have been more. It also oh, it also bans uh, masking in healthcare settings. The it, it directs the Department of Health to write a regulation, which they will. I mean, I wish we could have gotten more. I don't know how much more could have been squeezed out. I know the Senate president's liberal there. There's a lot there. You want to say it should have been more, that's fine. And I tend to agree. Um, but at the same time, maybe this is a testament to the sorry state we live in of, of our red states. It's head and shoulders above anything I've been able to get past elsewhere. So 
if if you would blow this up, you wouldn't you would get nothing. There's also another thing that one of the sponsors of 222 that Better Bill, which I support the language, is a guy named Joe Grutters. Joe Grutters incidentally supported da 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 Donald Trump. Now you'd think if you're so into medical freedom, you'd support maybe RFK then. Um, if DeSantis is not enough for you. And then that same guy just voted against DeSantis on Disney. He sided with Disney. So there's a lot more at play there. I can't get activists focused on any freaking bill, any bill in any state. Somehow there's one bill in one state everyone's lit about. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, on the one hand, I don't want to tamp it down because I'm happy. Push DeSantis, push him, push him. But why is it somehow the only effort to fight in anywhere that I've seen is just enough to trap him in an impossible situation. I find it pretty funny because there's actually very similar, if not even better than um, Senate Bill 222 in um, Florida is Senate Bill 304 in Texas, Bob Hall. No one ever heard of that. I don't see any energy around that. Bob Hall also has my constitutional amendment. It, It was heard in the Senate Health Committee Senate Joint Resolution 66, it's my my constitutional amendment, you know, right to bodily autonomy, can't be discriminated against in public realm. I wish I could get some energy behind it. So there's a bunch of these organizations that are unregistered, and a lot of us are wondering, because Joe Grutters is the sponsor, if this was a setup, they created a bill we all love, but that because of the orientation of that legislature, like every other GOP legislature, it just, they're not, we're not there yet, the votes wouldn't be there, but enough to trap the governor to make him look weak, look weak and then just lie about the other bill and say somehow it's negative when it's more glass half empty, you know, the other way around. Like, okay, you didn't get everything you wanted. I know I'm talking fast here trying to get in an hour's worth. But at some point, you run the risk of being a reverse thumbsucker. I always have a broad vision I never give up on. I never stop advocating for it. But when you're in a specific legislative battle, I've done this all year. Like, it, 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 I, with a heavy heart, we had to negotiate, huh, you know, in Wyoming, okay, we'll take this provision away. We'll take that provision away. Something is better than nothing. We'll come back for more. But the people doing that negotiation aren't the problem. It's the people we have to run up against. It's very easy for me to get beyond this microphone and, and be the opposite of a GOP cheerleader. Just every last person, every last thing is designed to screw you. Like some people are saying... Senate Bill 252 is a Democrat bill. Literally every Democrat committee voted against it, and of course they would. I mean, stop making up demonstrably false statements. You could say, I'm disappointed. I think, given the mandate in Florida, I I was hoping we could get more. I don't know the answer to that. Could he have pushed for more from the governor's office? I don't know. Remember, he has 50 other priorities that he has to fight with them on illegal immigration, too. There's a lot of these Chamber of Commerce guys there. He has influence, but he doesn't own it. But nonetheless, I'm like, in many ways, I'm happy. Man, like, they don't let DeSantis breathe. Nothing's good enough. Awesome. But why the hell don't we apply that same freaking standard to Donald effing Trump? And any other guy, for that matter. Like, I'm okay with them. Like, awesome. I love it. How they, like, they keep him on his toes, and that's good. And I don't want to tamp that down. And I'd say he should come back for more, and he should promise to come back for more. But it's just a little bit funny that there were lies put out that somehow pharma wrote in these bought out by pharma. You could make a case against or or say that we could have done better without lying. 
It's the same thing. I could just say, Kevin McCarthy's not good enough. The, the bill is not good enough. And I think the same way I think about Kevin, but it's just sometimes you got to govern. You got to work. You got to try to get what you can. Otherwise, you're not getting an outcome. It's just some people have been attacking me. Is like, you haven't been fighting it strong enough. I've been pushing as much as I can get in every state I can get. I just find it funny that none of the good bills that I have in every other state that I've worked on can we get any traction behind. Somehow there's this unnatural thing behind this S-222, not enough to get it to move anywhere, it's not moved anywhere, but enough to say, oh, DeSantis is bought out by pharma because he's not, you know, didn't secure everything in that bill and this other bill and then deny all the good things that were in it. It just kind of, it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Now, again, some people that are doing this legitimately, they they mean well, but I think it's being buttressed privately by the Trump crowd. And by the way, there's nothing new about that. That's the McConnell strategy. McConnell did that all the time and his allies. So if you were to run against him in a primary, he wouldn't say, oh, you're too far right wing. They would put out information to get the base to mud, like a muddle base. Well, this guy's not so good on that either. So what, you know, McConnell was hated for the bailouts, but he said his opponent also supported bailouts. And it was disingenuous. But then the base is like, well, I don't know. That's what they're doing. So if you're like, I don't think DeSantis is good enough for medical freedom. All right, you know, push him, push him, pressure him, fine. It's great. I, I, I would do the same. But then you're like, oh, so therefore I'm supporting Trump. Whoa, okay, there's something funny going on there. Now, I know I'm going overtime today because I just I want to clear the decks for the week. There's so many things I didn't get to. I just want to get one thing off my chest here. A lot of the medical freedom movement is just they're going gaga over RFK. It's all RFK all the time. And I, I get it. I understand. I, I think him running for president in the macro sense elevates the issue. It's a good thing. I was hoping he would run, and I'm very happy he is running. But two things. Number one, you have to make sure, you have to see where he stands on a lot of other issues. Right? You have to clarify, 10 years ago, he said people who oppose climate change need to be locked up. Now, I think we all assume he's gotten a little bit red-pilled and moved over. But again, you got to verify. You can't hold one guy to a crazy standard, but then with him, like it's all good. And number two is, there's one thing if RFK were running in a Republican primary. Or heck, even running straight up in the general as an indie. I could see the draw, and I would, myself would consider supporting him pending an understanding of where he is on a lot of things. But he's running in a Democrat primary. Now, Biden is surprisingly weak. Not surprisingly. I mean, he's weak. He could pull off 15, 20, 25%. You're, you're insane if you think RFK could win a Democrat primary. Bernie Sanders, who had the support of the base, they took it away from him. They control their primary. He ain't winning that primary, okay? So it's great to elevate the issue, but just understand, if medical freedom is your issue, do you want Trump or do you want DeSantis or Biden? RFK will not win the Democrat primary. If you're running in the Republican primary, I could respect wanting to take a look at him. And where the rubber meets the road here is in New Hampshire, which is going to be a critical state, it's an open primary. If all of the medical freedom people drain off into RFK, that's fine. I understand that. But just understand, 
ultimately, even if you could somehow win New Hampshire, because New Hampshire always likes, you know, off the beaten path candidates, sometimes the, you know, insurgent candidates, even if somehow RFK would win New Hampshire Democrat primary, A, he wouldn't win the other states. B, the DNC would likely decertify the delegates because they're going against them. They're holding a first in the nation primary, even though the DNC under Biden's leadership um, skipped over them. So they're probably not even going to count the delegates anyway. And then you drained off all those Republican medical freedom voters into there and you ensure that Trump wins the nomination. So if you support Trump, that's fine. I'm just saying, but if you're someone that's upset with Trump about medical freedom, you know, just keep that in mind. You're like, oh, RFK. You got to, at some point you have to focus on outcomes. You can have a broad vision, but with certain strategic points, it's a primary, it's an election, it's a legislative battle at that moment. You got to look at what is the best outcome I can get at that moment while not, you know, giving up on my broader vision long-term and messaging even now. And I'm the same way. Heck, Senate Bill 222 is like full anti-discrimination, no mandates ever, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. But even then, I could, I could play the same game. Nope, not good enough. Because these are genocide shots. It's like saying I'm not going to mandate hemlock. No, you should force the Florida Department of Health to take them off the market. And I believe in that. But again, you got to, you know... It doesn't. It's not a shortcoming in 222. Just like it's not a shortcoming in 252 that it didn't quite do everything. You got to take what you can get. It is a sad testament to GOP supermajorities. They're pathetic. But I could be. They're pathetic, so therefore I'm not going to try to push legislation. I'm just going to give up, or I'm going to hold them accountable for blocking my stuff. But still, I'm going to try to. If I can get half of it, a third of it passed, I'm going to do the same thing. Don't be a reverse thumb sucker. And don't bear false witness either. If, if a bill is problematic, it should be easy to make the case without literally making stuff up and taking good provisions and making them like they're bad because you're Ill- illiterate and don't know how to read a bill. Not understanding the notwithstanding any other provision of law concept. But whatever. It's just sometimes people just piss me off. But, but that's my two cents on that. But again, I... I mean, you want to fight for more? Let's do it. But let's do it in all the states. Don't fall victim to clearly another agenda going on here. Because I can tell you, it's a little bit funny that I have not seen this energy that we badly need on all of Bob Hall's bills in Texas. They don't care. They don't exist. Now, if you're a Florida activist, I get it. But a lot of these are national. So it's like, hey, it's funny. I sure could have used your help elsewhere. Right now, by the way, there's literally an identical bill. Texas 304, SB 304. How come no, no one ever heard of it? I think I know why. But anyway, a lot here. We action-packed, as always. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till Monday, God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.